Hello and welcome to the Youth Sports Safety Update. This is Jim Mackey, your host and producer today. We're out here in sunny Florida at the TIAA Bank Stadium and we're at the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Sports Injury Symposium. We're fortunate to have with us from Seattle, Washington, Dr. Jonathan Dresner, who works with the Seattle Seahawks and the University of Washington. And he is a sports medicine specialist. So welcome, Dr. Dresner. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Thank you. So your work in sports cardiology is um, excellent, and we understand that sudden cardiac arrest is a leading cause of death in athletics. So what do you see as measures parents and others can take to help reduce some of these risks that we're faced with? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, sudden cardiac arrest is the leading cause of sudden death in young athletes, and there's really two sides of prevention. There's early detection through screening, and then there's also the emergency response. What happens if, if an athlete or child goes down with sudden cardiac arrest. So why don't we start with the latter first? Because I think that resonates the loudest with parents and coaches and schools to me as the fundamental minimum of what should be going on to prevent sudden death in athletes. You know, every school that has athletic events must have an emergency action plan to respond to sudden cardiac arrest. There must be defibrillators, automated external defibrillators called AEDs. And parents and coaches knows what they know what these are. They're in the airports. They're the device that's in the box that says AED. Those are life-saving devices that are very, very safe. And when someone is collapsed and unresponsive, it is the key link to better survival is to put that AED on the chest as soon as possible. Most people think they need training to understand how to use an AED. And, and actually anyone, a novice, someone who's never opened the device, can use an AED. So that's really important to know that if you're responding to someone who you think might be in sudden cardiac arrest, someone who's collapsed and unresponsive, you can simply open the device. There'll be voice prompts, visual instructions, and you'll be able to put the pads in the right place. And that machine will tell you whether or not they're in a shockable rhythm and that machine can save their life. You know, CPR training, of course, is uh, important. We all saw the incident with DeMar Hamlin, the response on the field, you know, having trained responders who understand CPR have defibrillators available. To me, this is fundamental for our youth sports, for school sports, that defibrillators are available and that there are emergency action plans. Exactly. And we understand from that particular situation that it was recognized within about 29 seconds. And it just takes that seeing that they're unresponsive, they're not responsive to any stimulus, and they're not breathing. and um, whatever else may happen in a situation like that, but it was recognized and the certified athletic trainer and started administering CPR right away. To me, that emphasizes that CPR is something that has to be continuous. It may take two or three shocks. It may take uh, continual compressions. We strive for 100 to 120 compressions a minute, which is fast, but it's pushing hard and fast on the heart and it's effectively pumping the blood through up to the brain because we know brain injury can occur within uh, um four to six minutes, and then irreparable after that. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not to go into the details of what happened to Damar and that right. timeline, because I, I think we're still finding out information. Okay. Um, but it is a little bit more difficult to recognize cardiac arrest where there may be trauma, where you don't know if it's head or neck or, or some other reason why they're collapsed. But the bottom line is if they're collapsed and unresponsive, if they don't wake up to the shoulder tap, to verbal stimuli, after probably 20 or 30 seconds, you have to assume that this is sudden cardiac arrest until proven otherwise, because that's the one thing that's life-threatening. Right. It's different when you're watching the event 
and you see someone without trauma who wasn't hit, who stumbles and falls and collapses on the field. There's nothing else that does this except sudden cardiac arrest. So in those circumstances, the witness collapse is easier to recognize than maybe what happens sometimes on a football field right. when there's trauma. But but nonetheless, the, the key equation is collapsed and unresponsive equals cardiac arrest. Right. I had an unfortunate situation of a coach of mine that just uh, a week ago just was going out jet skiing and just suddenly collapsed. And we don't know all the details yet, but we... First thing that comes to my mind is sudden cardiac arrest. He's a very healthy individual, but things like that happen. In the Hamlin situation, we did see a collision. And so we don't know for sure, but let's talk about commotio cordis and what that is. Yeah. So so commotio cordis is when there's blunt trauma to the chest that causes the heart to go into a lethal arrhythmia called ventricular fibrillation. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be blunt trauma that we saw like on the football field with Damar. It can also be blunt trauma from a hard object, like a baseball, a hockey puck, a lacrosse ball. Um, This is relatively rare, but probably one case in American football every couple of years in the United States, and maybe about one or two cases per year overall in the United States in either youth, adolescents, or or young adult athletes. Um, So trauma to the chest can induce cardiac arrest, although it's not that common. Uh, and same thing, hitting the chest and they're collapsed unresponsive, you go down the treatment algorithm that is cardiac arrest. Right. And we, unfortunately, well, we had one successful, one unfortunate incident with commotio cordis. One was hit with a lacrosse ball mm-hmm. as a goalie. The other was a young baseball player just yeah. swatted, uh, tagging at first base, you know, that went into cardiac, some cardiac arrest at that point. So it is very rare, but it's, Again, the same algorithm follows uh, when when we see that collapse and unresponsiveness and that the like. So um, as far as screening goes, there are ECGs, electrocardiograms, that are being discussed more and more. So can you explain what the ECG is about, what it measures, what's the process behind it? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the other side of prevention. Um, okay. This is the this is early detection through screening. And, and the bottom line is our kids are already getting screened. They're getting screened with a history and physical, um, that sports physical or PPE that's required to play sports throughout the U.S. The, the unfortunate reality of that evaluation with history and physical is it's not very effective. It, it, it doesn't identify with enough accuracy the kids who do harbor one of the pathologic conditions that can cause cardiac arrest. So can we do it better? And that's where the ECG or electrocardiogram comes in. It gives us electrical signals from the heart. It allows us to look under the hood, so to speak, to see if there are electrical abnormalities or findings that suggest that there's a heart muscle disease. And these are some of the leading causes of sudden cardiac arrest in kids. So all in all, when you add ECG, you're really doing a a more accurate evaluation of, of of the athlete for the same purpose early detection of conditions that can lead to sudden cardiac arrest. The the challenge with ECG is you have to know what you're doing. You have to know how to interpret it. You have to have resources around you for referral and cardiologists who can do the right evaluation if there are abnormalities on an ECG. This has been being done more and more around the country, and especially in Florida, where some of our school districts now require ECG screening for their athletes. 
Um, and the cardiology systems and the health systems around them have all rallied to provide that type of service, the overreads and um, expedited evaluations for those individuals who have abnormal ECGs. And, you know, it's hard. I, I'm a sports medicine physician. I do sports physicals all the time and I don't want to do a bad job. And it's really hard for me to sign the dotted line that little Johnny or little Susie is ready and clear to go out and play if I haven't done an ECG because the history and physical just doesn't give me enough information to know that we have quality cardiac clearance to be on the field. So we need to build that infrastructure so all our kids can get them. Right. We uh, used to have a screening program here that we did the mass physicals, but we included with cardiology departments, the ECGs. And then if they needed that, uh, they would go to the echo and Mm -hmm. get those further testing in that. But we we identified nine kids at one time out of about 800 that were at risk Mm -hmm. for different symptoms and signs and symptoms that if those were not further evaluated could have resulted in a very tragic circumstance. So what what are some of those other things that might be uh, found, like Wolf's White Syndrome? Yeah, uh, yeah. so there's Wolf-Parkinson-White Syndrome, which is an electrical uh, uh, abnormality on the ECG and in the heart where it has an accessory pathway communicating between the top chambers and the lower chambers, the atria and the ventricles. And, and that is one of the known causes of sudden death in, in young athletes. And when you diagnose WPW, which is sometimes very obvious on a, on a ECG, there's actually a treatment and a cure for it. So uh, through you know, specialty evaluation, treatment, electrophysiologists, and a, a what's called an EP study with possible ablation, they can zap that accessory pathway. And now the kid is much safer. Yeah. And you know, all of these diseases that we might identify, many of them have clear management strategies and risk stratification. And and the idea is to intervene Mm -hmm. so the kids hopefully can still do what they want to do, but more safely. Right. And and if nothing else, at least we know a kid is higher risk and it really heightens our awareness about that emergency action plan. Right. And fortunately, I mean, all all of them were great success stories. We know one that was a great success story and he came out by mid, he had the procedure done by mid season. He was participating in football and that was good. Yeah. Two weeks later. Right. So so they're obviously, you take into effect the family's medical history Mm -hmm. and uh, other certain risk factors that may have, there's a lot of obesity in kids today, things like that. But what can be identified to help mitigate the possibility of, of sudden cardiac arrest? Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm a real uh, proponent of ECG, um, but there's also some elements of that history that are really important that, that parents shouldn't, you know, uh, ignore. And so family history would be one of them. So if you have a family history of genetic heart disease, uh, if you have a family history of sudden cardiac arrest or sudden death before the age of 40 or 50, you should really be seeing your primary care physician to ask, to, to ask if more evaluation should happen for them. Um, the other thing is to understand if your child is having symptoms that might be cardiovascular related. And the, the, there's, there's two that really stand out to me. Mm-hmm. So one is chest pain with exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's not just any chest pain. It's, it's, it's sort of central or left-sided chest pain that comes on at peak exertion and forces the kid to stop exercising because the chest pain is so bad. And the other would be collapsing or what's called syncope, so fainting. And so when, when someone faints related to exercise, you know, that's usually not normal and needs more evaluation to distinguish 
sort of benign causes of fainting from arrhythmogenic causes of fainting that, that could indicate that there's a condition at risk for sudden death. Okay. Uh, the NFL has recently announced some funding for legislation and assistance. We're providing AEDs, emergency action plans, coaches, CPR instruction. As a healthcare provider, how can parents, how can we better prepare, support, and get behind these programs, do you think? Yeah, I mean, th- this is a wonderful initiative, you know, by the, by the NFL and many other organizations. Um, and hopefully this trickles all the way down to the ground level. So if you're a parent, the first thing that I would do is I'd go into your school and ask them, you know, do you have an emergency action plan for cardiac arrest? Where are the AEDs? Do we have access to the AEDs at our sports facilities? Do we have access after hours? Do you have an athletic trainer at your school that's full time? What events are they at? You know, is there a medical timeout that the coaches and officials do prior to a game to make sure they understand where is that AED? Who's going to call 911? How is the ambulance coming to the field or court? You know, these are things that every school should have in place. And I think parents as advocates can really help with that process. Right. Pre-game medical timeout is something we've, um, uh, Dr. James Kyle brought to us, but we've pioneered it here with all of our schools and we've taken it beyond the football games to all sports with our athletic trainers and, and that. And that's just such an essential. It can be a five, 10 minute meeting before the thing. We have the NFL has a 60 minute meeting mm-hmm. before things, but just knowing because it should not be mass confusion. Uh, a mantra Ron Corson has taught me is calmness creates calm. And as we can uh, provide that more so than by having a plan. And again, Ron says a failure to plan is a plan to fail. For so sure. everything that we can do in advance will make things go much more smoother as we saw with what evidence in the, in the NFL situations in that. And um, so that's been very, very helpful. Yeah. I'd almost take that a step further and say, of course, when athletic trainers are there, the medical timeout is more likely to happen, but, but there's also value in the medical timeout occurring when there's no athletic trainer there because they can't be at every school event. Mm -hmm. So I actually think it's the responsibility of, of the coaches one coach from each team and the and elite official to meet for one or two minutes before the game and answer just a few questions. And and one critical question is, where is that AED? Exactly. Because it might be the referee that needs the AED. <laughs> We've seen that more than, yeah. more than once in that, and the coaches too. So uh, what are some other messages that you'd like to share with, with parents, coaches, and athletes, athletic trainers in regards to uh, just finding a real good safe participation level in sports? Yeah. You know, the, I think, screening is is getting better, right? There's a lot of focus on doing better screening. I think ECG is an essential component to that. And our infrastructure to do more ECG with high quality is improving. So I think over time, this will be something that our kids are receiving for their sports physicals. and And I really believe that that's a good thing. But no matter how we do screening, no screening is perfect. And we're never going to identify all the conditions that can cause sudden cardiac arrest. We're never going to be able to prevent that fluke episode of commotional cortis or something like that. And that's why you have to have that emergency plan and the availability of defibrillators. And so it's really the combination of both that will save the most, the most lives. 
Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we've been speaking with Dr. Jonathan Dresner, the Seattle Seahawks and the University of Washington. Uh, please, parents, take this excellent advice uh, to, to heart and uh, make sure your school is prepared with a certified athletic trainer, an AED, a medical timeout, a venue-specific emergency action plan, and be prepared for the inevitable because we hope it never happens but it will happen when you least expect it to happen and you've got to be prepared. So thank you for joining us today on the Youth Sports Safety Update. Uh, we appreciate that and all that you do uh, to, to really uh, hallmark or lead the way in, uh, in this cardi cardiology, sports cardiology, and uh, what we're needing to know in this uh, ever-changing world of medicine and athletics. So thank you very much. And again, the Youth Sports Safety Update is produced by the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program. Please check out our website at jaxsmp.com. We'll put some uh, contact information and other information that's valuable to this uh, discussion in our show notes. And join us again. Thank you very much. Take care.